Hallelujah. We got to worship the Lord in music song. We got to worship him in the taking of the elements. We got to worship him in just some quiet meditative prayer. Now we get to worship him by learning from his word. Can we do that? Let's ask for the Lord's help tonight in this. Father, would you help us open the word and open our hearts, open our minds to everything that you want to say to us, everything that we need to learn. Father, we understand that there's going to be some corporate statements made, but even in the midst of those general corporate statements, we know that you can speak specifically to each one of us where we need to be touched tonight. We receive that blessing and gift in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Welcome, King of Kings. Welcome home. It's a big week. We welcome all of you online as well, uh, watching on King's Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, other platforms all around the world. Welcome here to Jerusalem at King of Kings. We're happy you're here. Let me just clarify, in case you didn't get it from the announcement, this Friday, 6 p.m., is our Hanukkah congregational dinner, okay? Make sure you understand that it's connected to the holiday of Hanukkah, which is uh, beginning Thursday night, right? So we're going to light candles on Friday. We're going to say the brachot blessings. We're going to fellowship, have fun together over a meal. Uh, lots of fun things for the holidays. The other thing that I wanted to point out is a big thank you to all of you who helped us both serve physically and sowed in financially to that video, you saw the fruit of it. Uh, you've done so well, King of Kings, not only in the Jerusalem campus, but also all of the other campuses. I'm thinking of Modi'in and Herzliya, Keilat Paria, Batyam, all of the other congregational locations of the King of Kings family who sowed in. Uh, we, you didn't get to see some of the totals up there. There are other videos we have that have the totals on there. I don't know why they weren't on this one, but uh, listen, we've given away over 1,000 food boxes now. Now, we were supposed to do 300 today. The supply didn't come in. That happens during war. Supply chain, things get interrupted. But uh, we're going to try to do those 300 boxes next week uh, on Sunday right after service. We've been able to give away over 6,500 articles of clothing already during the war. We've, we've already blessed over 500 soldiers with something of a resource that they might have needed, whether it was a vest, a backpack, a helmet, hand warmers, gloves, boots, whatever it is, or 500 soldiers. We've been able to bless over 30 families that were displaced, and we've been able to help them be sustainable while they can't get back home. Isn't that amazing? Uh, through, through our efforts and the, the team unity here, we've been able to refurbish and repair 22 bomb shelters already. Isn't that amazing? These are great things. Guys, can you give yourself a hand clap? Praise the Lord. Not to mention how many times we've been able to gather in prayer. What we have always said is the most important part of helping in the war is to pray together. Okay, so we're going to send that out. If you get our newsletter or the WhatsApp group as a King of Kings member, uh, you'll get the alert in just a few days about our next prayer time, which is coming up in about a week and a half. We'll let you know uh, when to gather, where to gather, and, uh, and you can join us. Keep battling in prayer for all that we, uh, that we need to cover in prayer. Hallelujah. If you're joining us and you have not been with us in the last few weeks, we've been in the middle of a series called Behind the Scene. Looking into the world that you cannot see. What, what is God doing behind all of that? And you can catch all of these sermons on, on the archive, on our website. But last week, we looked at the unseen promises of God. If I were to pull out a key phrase from last week, we mentioned this and we said, be careful that you do not try to infuse God's promises with your timing. 
that'll get you in trouble, right? We looked at Abraham. We looked at King David. A lot of other uh, stories from the Bible where there was a promise, but it didn't work on the timetable of the, of the servant. It worked on the timetable of the perfect God. But in the middle of the waiting, if there's not a faithfulness to waiting, we find ourselves trying to infuse God's promises with our timing, and that usually leads us into some sort of sin, some sort of shortcoming and shortfall. So we said, be careful of that. Tonight, we're going to close out the series by looking at the unseen rewards, the unseen rewards. And then next Sunday, of course, it's going to be a very focused service on the uh, holiday of Hanukkah. We're going to look at it from both a biblical perspective, a historical perspective. We'll have the Hanukkah up here. I think Ula is going to light the Hanukkah candles for us next week. We're going to say the brachot, the blessings. So come back both Friday for dinner, Sunday for worship service. Now let's jump into this, the unseen rewards. Here's what we do know, just looking back on the promises of God. God has given us incredible promises of relationship, eternal life, power, salvation, destiny, hope. There's so many things we could say. All of these are wrapped up in God's promises. But the work of Yeshua has cleansed us from sin. He has taken away our shame. He has cut off the past generational curses that were on us. He has set us free from bondage and from strongholds that keep us looping into sin over and over and over and over and over. And over. Right? You know what that is, that scheme, that loop. Somebody in your past hurt you. You have pain and disappointment and guilt toward them and toward God. You don't forgive. There's bitterness. So you don't like that feeling. So you try to get rid of that bad feeling. And you usually try to get rid of a bad feeling with something selfish, self-indulgent. You could list a long list of those things. <clears throat> Excuse me. A long list of them. But ultimately, you, you, you choose sinfulness to cover the pain. And then you feel guilty about it later. And then you're depressed. This is called a loop. This is a scheme that the evil one has. And Yeshua set you free from all of those. You don't need to deal with those anymore. So if we have all of these promises and we've already received them in Yeshua's work, then what are we supposed to do now? Are we done? Like, we're done. Well, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that the grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? You see, friends, what I want to present to you tonight is a little bit of a journey. It's going to be a little bit of a word study. And in the end, I'm going to teach you one very simple principle that is a dividing line in the universal plan of God's redemption. So you're going to leave with that, that key lesson. It matters how you live. It does. That's, that's one of our lessons tonight. It matters how you live. Uh, we're glad you're saved and you're forgiven and you're redeemed and you have eternal life and God uh, infuses you with power and wisdom and all those things are great, but that doesn't give you a license to just do whatever you want. Indulge yourself, live however you want. Some have mistakenly interpreted the grace of God 
for a freedom to live in sin and a freedom to disregard the laws and the boundaries of God. Don't make that mistake. That's reiterated in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. This is a big mistake we find in the body of Messiah. We want to make sure we're more mature than this and we don't make this mistake. You have been given the promises of God. Actually, the way it works is you've been offered the promises of God. It is up to you to say yes to them. Nothing you can do to get them other than to say yes. I believe in faith that Yeshua did this for me and you receive the gift. And once the gift is received, it now matters how you live from that point forward. The promise is not on the line. It's not a matter of if I fall or fail, somehow the promise gets yanked out of my hand. That's not what we're talking about. But it matters how you live. And if we already have the love of God and if we already have salvation of Yeshua and we are already promised eternal life, then why does it matter how we live is the question. Well, look at it this way. Yeshua cares about how you live. You wouldn't have over a thousand commandments if he didn't. Some of you are looking at me going, thousand? Where'd you get that number from? Last time I checked in Jewish tradition, there was only 613. Well, here's what I did many, many years ago. I started in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, and I wanted to see how many commandments were in the New Testament. And I read, and every time I saw a commandment, either implicit or explicit, do this or don't do this, I wrote it down. That's a commandment. And I made it from Matthew to about middle of the book of Acts, and there was over a 1,000. And I didn't even get to the epistles of Paul yet. I knew what was coming then. You might as well just double that. So I don't even know how many there are. I can promise you there's over 1,000. There's probably more like 2,000. God wouldn't give you the, that sweet as honey word, which he calls perfect, if he didn't care about how you live. As a matter of fact, half of those commandments in the Torah, by the way, are about how you live with other people. Not all of them are having to do with what you do for God and the sacrifices and the animals and all that. Half, half of the Torah commandments are how do you love other people? Now, how you express your love to God is important because according to God's definition, if you love me, you will obey me. So you don't even have a, an option as a new covenant believer to try to express your love to God, if you don't try to do that through obedience, then you're on the wrong path anyway. Yeah, but God, I love you in my music. I appreciate that. But that's like second level. But God, I, but, I, but I love you in my quiet time. I'm really glad you have that. Keep on doing that. It's very good for your discipline. But that's second level. If you want to love me at level one, obey me. That's what God said about his own word and about his own definition of love. Then you can start looking at your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Learn to grow in your giftings and your character and your destiny. All of these are important things. 
But Yeshua cares about how you live. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. We're going to repeat something like that several times, so I hope you catch it. So here's what I want you to catch. Yeshua is coming with his salvation to rule the earth, and his reward is with him. You got to catch that part. He doesn't just come back to just come back. He comes back to rule. And he doesn't just come back to rule empty-handed. He comes back to rule with rewards that he's excited to hand out. Now, what's interesting here, if you go back into the Hebrew, here in the uh, book of Isaiah, the sachar. This is a word we still use today. We use the shoresh today. We'll use it in words like the, uh, the word for salary, for instance, the maschirut, or the mascheret, or when you pay rent or you see a sign of an apartment that's for rent, la haschira. That same root is in all of it, and it means to give somebody what they deserve as a reward. So if I work all week long, then I get the reward of a paycheck. That's why it's in the word for salary. Or if I'm staying in someone's apartment, I give them money as a reward for letting me stay in their apartment, and we call that paying rent. But the root of the word is still the word for reward. It's a reward. Isaiah 62, 11. Watch the pattern. The Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, see, your Savior comes and his reward is with him. There it is again. So you don't, you don't get one without the other one. You say, oh man, that's, that's pretty good news. Like I, I thought having salvation was good news, and then I get the Messiah coming back to rule and reign. That's good news. And then he doesn't come empty-handed. He comes with rewards. That's great news. Now, if we were to jump into the Bricha HaDashah, if we are looking at the New Testament for a second, we're going to have to switch from the Hebrew to the Greek, and I wonder what it says. Now, maybe you're already guessing what it says. Pastor Chad, it would be weird if you said that and built all this up, and then it said something different. So maybe you can already guess. Matthew chapter 16, 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. There it is again. He comes in glory to rule and reign. His reward is with him. It matters how you live. Now the Greek here, apodidomi. Apodidomi. It's important that you hear me say that because it does sound a little funny. And some of you can go onto your app and you can be like, listen to it in your phone. And you can say, I don't think he said that right. And you're probably right. I probably didn't. But it's important that I say it because I'm going to teach you another word in Greek later that's different. So it's okay if I butcher both of them because they're different. <laughs> Apodidomi. And what it means is it means to pay someone to give them the reward they deserve. That sounds just like Sachar from the uh, prophet Isaiah. 
Now here, Yeshua is always seen coming back in the Father's glory with the angels to rule and reign with rewards in his hand to give out to the believers. So here's an interesting question. You may ask, how does all of this work? What if, what if I want to take the promises, but I don't care about the rewards? Can I live that way? Huh, that's an interesting question. Can I have the promises without the rewards? If I say yes to Yeshua and I get eternal life, but then I don't care about how I live, so I forfeit the rewards, is that okay? Can I do that? That's a good question. Now, we would challenge you with when you make him your savior, you must also submit to his kingship. He's your Lord. You can't really have one without the other. That's why Yeshua says, uh, you're either hot or cold. You don't get a place in the middle. There is no place in the middle. But here's the problem with the question. Is that in God's perspective, he is considering both your obedience and your disobedience, which is why you can't stand in the middle. You can't Say, well, I'll take the promises, but I don't want the rewards, so I get to live however I want because I believe in the grace of God and it saved me and I, I can just do whatever. The problem is that notes are being taken, right? Recordings are being done of everything you thought, said, acted upon, right? Good and bad. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 10, watch this. But those who hate the Lord, he will repay to their face by destruction. He will not be slow to repay to their face those who hate him. That just sounds like such a strong verse. You've got the word hate in there. You've got the word destruction in there. Then you've got twice he's going to repay it to your face. I don't even know what that looks like, but I don't want any part of that. Like, I don't want anybody repaying anything to my face. But what's interesting is the Hebrew word used here for the word repay. Remember, I taught you what the word for reward was, the sachar. But the word for repay is rooted in the word shalem or shalom. You might recognize that word from shalom or le shalem, to pay something, to pay something back, to complete a transaction by paying them what they're owed. Many of you Paid for parking tonight so you could come and worship. My apologies. I wish we owned the whole building in the parking garage, but we don't. And on your way out, you're going to take your little card and you're going to go to the Amdat Tishlum and you're going to pay, and there's the word, you're going to repay for using their parking. It's a different word than Sakhar. Shalem, Sakhar. One is reward. But did you notice the context? For the believers, the Lord is coming on a cloud in his Father's glory with the angels, bringing salvation, and his reward is with him. But to the unbelievers, he returns and he makes you repay everything that you owe. Two different words, two different contexts. And you're going to see this pattern continue. There are other verses we could look at. Hosea 12, verse 2. The Lord has a, cha has a charge 
to bring against you, Judah. He will punish Jacob according to his ways and repay him according to his deeds. And again, that is not the word for reward. The word for repay here is shuv. It's the word to return. It's almost like upon his return, you are going to have to repay this. Friends, that is not a boat you want to be in. You want to be in the reward boat. You don't want to be in the repay boat to your face. Not where you want to be. You could jump into the New Testament again and, and look at something similar. Revelation 2, 23. I will strike her children dead. Then all the congregations will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. And I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now, some of us look at that and you say, okay, repay according to your deeds. What was the Greek word you said the first time? Apodidomi. What is this word? Didomi. Same root, different usage, right? Why does there need to be a difference? Because one was a reward for the faithful, apodidomi. One is a repayment for the sinful, didomi. I don't even know what it means, but I know you don't want to use, lose that apo. I think you want to grab that apo, write it down, and pray to the Lord that somehow you understand it later and you start walking in it. New King of Kings t-shirt, walk in oppo. You know, be encouraging to one another, walk in oppo. You're gonna get that on the WhatsApp next week from Pastor Mike. Shabbat shalom, walk in oppo. Receive your reward. So why the difference? Well, it appears that if we are repentant followers of Yeshua, that our evil, sinful past is wiped away by Yeshua's blood and our obedience and good deeds are seen and rewarded. It dovetails very nicely with what Pastor Mike shared from his heart about the Seudat Hadon, the Lord's Supper. However, if we are not followers of Yeshua, if we are not covered by his blood and he is not our professed Savior and Lord, then our good deeds are not in focus, but rather our disobedience and our unfaithfulness becomes that which God sees and repays and punishes us for. I hope you're seeing this stark contrast and dichotomy of what happens when you have faith in Yeshua. Now, be careful. We are not speaking words of works righteousness, we are not saying if you have more good deeds, then you're rewarded, or if you have more bad deeds, then you're repaid and punished. That is not what we're saying. What we're saying is that the work of Yeshua and all the work that he does for us, he covers and removes our sin so that on the ledger of your heavenly account, he looks for disobedience and he sees nothing but red. And then he goes to the section called obedience, since that's all he can see. And he says, look at all that obedience. Look, here I come with the reward. Take it. But if you're an unbeliever and he looks at your, your record and he gets to the disobedience, one after the other, after he never even gets to the bottom. And you get the repayment for evil. And this is the dichotomy. As a believer, he can't see your sin. He only sees your good. 
that as an unbeliever, he doesn't see your good. He only sees your disobedience. And there's judgment for that. This is why it matters how you live. Not only because you have a great commission in front of you, but there are rewards waiting for you. We all know that there's a wonderful book where these things are recorded. What is the book called? The Book of Life. This is a very important eternal book. It's mentioned many times in the Bible. King David asked God to deliver him from his enemies, and he mentions the book in Psalm chapter 69, verse 28. Speaking of his enemies, may they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. Oh, who's, who's in that book? Righteous. Doesn't say the unrighteous, doesn't say the unbeliever, the unfaithful. Take their name out of the book. Do not let them be in the same book with the righteous. Philippians 4, 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. You see them serving, loving, laying down their life, righteous, good deeds, and they're being recorded in the book of life. Paul is able to identify the faithful believers who are producing fruit because he's confident that they have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, meaning they are saved in Yeshua, meaning their names will be in the book of life. Let's read a few passages from Revelation chapter 3. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Revelation 13, all inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. It's very clear which side you're on here. Righteous in the book, unrighteous not in the book. Not righteous by works, righteous by faith in the work of Yeshua. Your disobedience is wiped away. He can only see your rewards, and you are rewarded for the life you've lived. The opposite is true for the unbelievers. The pattern becomes crystal clear throughout the scriptures. For those that do not profess Yeshua as their Savior, they do not submit to him as Lord. They do not live obedient lives. They are not written in the Lamb's book of life. Let's continue in Revelation chapter 17. The beast which you saw once was, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss and go to its destruction the inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast because it was once, now is not, and yet will come. Who's going to be surprised by the beast? Not the believers. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We have read the book. We know what to expect. The Holy Spirit told us what was coming. When we see the beast, we'll look at it. We'll know it. We'll point it out. We'll say, Ah, we knew what that was. Who will be surprised? Who will be astonished? The unbelievers who don't have faith. Their name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. They don't know the end of the book. They're going to be surprised by all of these things, and they will be deceived. There's a great dichotomy here in humanity. You might say, when will this book be revealed? I'd love to see this book of life. How can I get a glimpse of it? I've got good news for you. Revelation chapter 20. 
And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Very important book to get your name in. So the timing of it happens after this heaven and earth pass away. We have this final moment of judgment. This book of life is opened, and that's it. Everything is finished by that point. You can't add. You can't subtract. You can't explain away. You can't point the finger. You can't blame someone else. And by the way, when you go before the throne, you realize you don't go with a group of people. You don't get to go with your mom and dad. You don't get to go with your friend who was a much more faithful believer than you, and they prayed a lot, and you don't get to grab them by the hand and be like, oh, I need some help right now. Come with me. When you go before the throne of God, you go alone, and everything you've done, said, thought, acted upon will be revealed. And in that moment, you need your name written in that book because the alternative is he's looking I don't see your name. Can you check again? I don't see your name. And the angels will come and take you. That you don't want to be. And I promise you, the lake of fire, hell and Hades, is a bad place, agony, gnashing of teeth, screaming, pain. And the issue is that's not even the worst part of it. The worst part of it is you'll never get to be with your father, your maker, your savior again. That's the worst part of not being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. The physical pain is certainly bad, but it is not comparable to being separated from your father. Revelation 21, 27, nothing impure will ever enter into this new heaven and earth, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the book of life. Give you our first key phrase tonight. Your name being found in the book of life determines if you will be rewarded for your good deeds or if you will be repaid for your sinful deeds. That's the dividing line, the work of Yeshua, faith. Your name being written. You might say, but something about that doesn't seem fair. Pastor Mike said, he sees me as perfect, but I know I'm not. It's because his blood covered over all sin. You might say, yeah, but, but isn't the opposite true? Aren't there going to be people in hell who have done good things? And the answer is yes. There's going to be a lot of people in hell who have done good things. Because good things is not the measurement of your salvation. 
good deeds are the fruit of your salvation. You weren't saved by them. You were saved so you could do them. In our our theological foundation, we have to understand the difference between these two things. Not saved by them, saved to do them. Let's read our second key phrase and we'll close. A lot of people get this idea of grace mixed up, a little bit convoluted. But listen, let me tell you what grace is. Grace is getting a reward that you do not deserve while at the same time not getting a punishment that you do deserve. That, my friends, is actual biblical grace. You get a reward you didn't actually deserve and you don't get a judgment that you do deserve. The grace of God. Matthew chapter 5, 16. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So we are being encouraged today to continue to do good works. We want the oppo. We want the reward. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And finally, our last verse, 1 Peter chapter 4, 19. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. We pose the question, can I just take the promises without the reward? The answer is no. Does it matter how I live moving forward? The answer is yes. Do I deserve my reward? The answer is no. So how do I get it? Through belief and faith in the power of Yeshua's sacrifice and his blood. That his payment was all that you needed to cover over all of your faults so that God can only see the good things you've done. These are the unseen rewards And remember, you'll never separate the return of the Messiah from the rewards that are with him. It's not just that he comes. He comes to rule. And when he comes to rule, he gives the rewards to you. Let's stand and have a prayer over this. Let it sink into our spirit tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your unseen promises. We receive every one of them today because of the work of Yeshua. We embrace all of them. But Father, we also know that there's an unseen reward. And tonight we're asking you to help us be written in the Lamb's book of life. We know that our good deeds will never measure up to your perfection. That we owe a debt we cannot repay. So we ask you, Yeshua, would you pay it for us, please? And in your graciousness, you not only repay our debt, but you still hand out rewards. It would have been enough if you would have just repaid our debt. But you also give us rewards. Thank you for your grace. Let us understand it correctly, apply it to our life, and not fall into a misunderstanding because it matters how we live. We pray that tonight in Yeshua's name. 
Amen. Amen.